0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name is James Evans and joining me is my co-host and Christina Kiesel's substantially older sister, it's Ellie Nunn.
1: (laughs) I love your cadence so much. Whenever you do the introduction, it feels like home.
0: It's amazing, isn't it? It's very mellifluous if I do say so myself.
1: It's so mellifluous. Did I ever tell you about how a girl at school once first met me and the first thing she said to me was oh my god your voice is so melodic when you speak it's like you're singing (laughs)
0: like a little siren
1: a little songbird just attract uh, gay men wherever you go (laughs) (laughs) girl a little sex magnet
0: i did a reading competition once and an old lady came up to me afterwards and she said that i should read to the blind
1: So you've got a face for radio yeah
0: exactly yeah wow <laughs> and that lady was ellie
1: nunn yeah <laughs> meryl Street. yeah my sister used to do like reading with refugees and the little girl that she was given went to the coordinator of the entire project and asked to be given someone else because she so said that bad. she was the most boring person she'd ever met
0: wow <laughs> That girl had been through some things, and that just just yeah. tipped really <laughs> her over the, the edge. Yeah. she was like,
1: <laughs> nope. "No, no, I'm not I putting am up not with this having <laughs> this boring a volunteer."
0: Put some character into it, please. Exactly. How are you this week?
1: I'm okay. Mm. I'm definitely have been giving credence to our lovely fan calling us. Failing actors. No. No. I've had a bit of a bumpy bumpy work week. But guys, authenticity and vulnerability is where it's at. Exactly. And I'm actually hosting a concert next week specifically for unemployed actors to kind of give them the platform to get to perform and reconnect with their work and and reconnect with an audience. And I was just saying to James that I was in for a job where I secretly was hoping I was going to get it. And that I was going to be able to be like, guys, it's okay to be unemployed. But also I have a job, so it's fine. And I didn't. So <laughs> now I have to just stand up there and be oh, be authentic and be vulnerable.
0: <laughs> not in the mood. That's not what we do here. No. Where there'll always be Budapest. Budapest.
1: <laughs> there were lawyers. Be Budapest. Budapest. I literally just got an email about the flights. It was really funny. It's like, the expenses team will absolutely cover a cab to London, Victoria, for you to get the Gatwick Express. <laughs> oh, God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Too kind, guys. No expense <laughs> <But> Indeed. <laughs> First class all the way. Oh, um,
1: get that. Easy jet goodness. Mm-mm-mm.
0: I have a fun story to tell you this week.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: So, I had arranged to have some drinks with some friends last Sunday because we were with some friends because we're all going our separate ways for the summer. And
1: God, what is this? Harry Potter? Like one of my friends. (laughs) 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 Goodbye, right, every day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then they had to cancel at the last minute because the Death Eater. I don't know. I tried to make Harry Potter (laughs) reference but I I never read them. Um, Not great. Um, And she couldn't because she had to be roped into working an event at the lounge where she's employed and it's kind of like a trashy but expensive lounge in Columbus Circle and she was being very vague about it and she was like I don't know I think it's for a real housewife I think they've oh got an alcohol brand or something I was like you're fucking joking <laughs> she's like yeah she's blonde I think it's that one that you posted and then I reposted a picture of it and I was like Kim Zolciak and she's like yeah and I was like no this can't be it was getting me so annoyed that she was so close to a real housewife in the flesh most likely a New York housewife and she thought it was Kim Zolciak of all people and then she was like I think her name's Sonia and I was like you fucking joking? You're doing a Sonia Morgan, a new Sonia Grifter Morgan bullshit business oh event, God. and she was like, "Yeah, that's the one." And then she sent me a voice recording that night, and she was like, "Okay, and someone's singing, and I think they might be a housewife as well. Like, have a listen to this, and let oh tell God. me if it's a housewife." And it was the dulcet sounds again, of, uh, the very same <laughs> uh, <laughs> we just just a load of gays in the background being like girl and i was like are you fucking joking me you're they working
1: there's an event
0: with luan and sonia there and she was like yeah oh my god and there's this show that they're doing that they're playing in the bar right now and i was like you're talking about crappy lake And she was like, yeah, that's the one. And then the next day I saw they posted all about this event and it was the premiere for their new show Ramona was there, Dorinda was there, Kelly ben Simone was there.
1: You gotta cut this friend out. The whole like, Kit and i was is... so- If she doesn't understand how important this is to you, she's not a true friend. I'm actually glad
0: in a way, as frustrating as it was to get this information in dribs and drabs, I'm the better off for it. I think if I knew all of this information one go, I would have had a heart attack. You'd have just died. My, my heart would have given out.
1: I actually found it so hard when you and Macy and Sophia went to see Luanne the kind of outpour of videos that I had to wake up to of Luan on your shoulder or playing the (laughs) Boscos or singing the Copacabana was actually... Too much.
0: It's painful. And then there
1: was like a picture with Ramona saying, it was, yeah, it was, I, I needed a bit of drip feeding and a bit of, I needed a bit of care
0: actually. I, for what it's worth, I remember at the time I was like- It wasn't you. Drunkenly yelling into <laughs> Macy's ear, Alice Sonia being like, what are you doing here without Dorinda? I was like, maybe we <laughs> should temper it for Ellie because of the time difference. She's going to get it all in one go when she wakes up. <laughs> So I had your best interests at heart.
1: Of course you did. Mm -hmm. So what did you do? Spend the evening on your own?
0: Yeah, it was the worst time ever. Actually, no, I ended up going to a friend's birthday party. (laughs) The worst time ever! (laughs) No, I went to a friend's birthday party. She's like a friend of a friend and she's lovely and I'm really excited to dig this friendship. I may have come on a little bit too strong. I'm picturing
1: Christine's birthday party. Christina with everyone ending up with her and like her t-shirt and her
0: song oh my god, I really want to do that one year. Just recreate Christina's whole storyline for my birthday one year. <laughs> what age was it? 26? Bullshit. 30. 30. Oh, she was Oh, she was 29 becoming 30.
1: Wow. No, the 20... That's right, she's 29 becoming 30, and the person who was 26 was Ilya. Or I... y- Yulia. Yulia. Yeah. Yulia. I
0: fucking love Yulia. Who I
1: also was like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> follows you ever
0: 26 i mean it makes sense she desperately wanted to fuck her two stepsons who were like basically the same age as her so it tracks (laughs) but anyway yes and then she sent me a screenshot of some guy his instagram and was like is this guy gay and why do you follow him and it was noel de lesseps and i was like what are you like (laughs) And she was like, Yeah, he was chatting to me and he asked for my number and I was like, Are you fucking joking? Oh my god, make oh friends god. with him. He's gonna hang out with us because I've seen older Lesseps doing the rounds in Brooklyn. Around, Yeah. He's very much they've
1: seen you mean followed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> stalked from the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> Up in a tree. <laughs> Through my camera, right. yeah. yeah, Long lens. And Noel, if you're listening, I'll see you at Tempkins next Sunday.
1: Good. Between Noel, Noel de Lesseps in New York and then when we're in LA, we're like this with Max. It's all happening for us.
0: It's just so annoying. So many friends of mine have seen Housewives in the wild. And the best I get is like kids of Housewives and people from Summer House. It's people I don't really care about. Be
1: thankful.
0: <laughs> Count my blessings.
1: Exactly. Mm. You should be so lucky.
0: Yeah, you got very... Oh, my God. That was very Ronnie of you.
1: It was so Ronnie, I was about to say. (laughs) (laughs) I went so Ronnie.
0: You really held your gaze It must be very
1: liberating to be Ronnie and just be so weird. Yeah. And just suddenly be like, don't you ever (laughs) fuck with me or my family or I will make you wish you had never been born
0: oh my god (laughs) i love that scene is it is that the scene where amanda says something really petty and minor they're like have she's having no
1: i was doing a vague impression of ronnie at the last around the dinner table to jody at the end of series one which is really reminiscent of him four in a bed when they all get around the table and like (laughs) it's very the the (laughs) envelopes, (laughs) anyway Yeah, let's dive in. So, James set me the task of watching Real Housewives of Vancouver, which was a lovely little two-season watch. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, you, you really sold it to me as, like, as dark as the first two seasons of Beverly Hills. Now, I really enjoyed it. It was a really good filler watch of, like, two seasons and some mad characters mm-hmm. and I do think Ronnie is one of the weirdest personalities of anyone I've ever seen on television. I, ju- I, ju- I found her... She made me feel drunk. Yeah. Like, found her so disorientating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't find it as dark as you were saying. So I found it quite weird and there were definitely... <laughs> When puppies don't understand any bit of information they like tilt their head and James is sort of doing the same. It's like he's malfunctioned.
0: I mean, sure, it's maybe not as bombastic in its tragedy as those early seasons of Beverly Hills were. I mean, like, no one's killed themselves. That's quite a high bar to me. But I think... Well,
1: you you said it was up there. (laughs) So I just kind of kept waiting for, like, something awful to happen.
0: I think the way in which Beverly Hills season two and, to a lesser extent, season one is dark is that it's relatively normal people in the throes of tragic disturbing circumstances and the way in which vancouver i find very dark is that it's just a showcase of sheer brute sociopathy and severe mental illness on a base level i've never had such a bodily reaction as i have to seeing ronnie nagus on television and also jodie clayman as well it's almost like a reverse midas touch where just everything they touch dies it feels like a greek poem in yeah. some way like it should be like a little story a metamorphosis or something
1: what is jody's
0: deal <laughs> Shall we yeah so how do you want to discuss vancouver Shall we just like go through i have people no individually?
1: idea should we just can we just i kind of just need to talk about jody and ronnie because that's you come out of it, that's just what you want to talk about. And with Jodie, what I find so interesting is that at first she seems very performative, very playing it all up for the camera and slightly clumsily trying to both sort of take on the villain role, but also be sort of needlessly quite spiteful at someone. But then it really does turn into an obsession
0: mm-hmm.
1: and needless to a point where it's so vicious. And I actually then start to kind of go, oh, you're mad because... The lack of self-awareness, I thought it was performative, but actually I think it's properly unhinged.
0: I genuinely believe that Jodie is that way off of television as well. And I think it's safe to say she's the most evil person I've ever seen on television. And I'm assuming a lot of listeners may have not seen Vancouver, but I can guarantee you whatever you're thinking is the biggest housewives villain, Jodie is worse. Like, there's no instance of levity or vulnerability or humanity to Jody whatsoever. Because even with someone like Jen Shah, who I do think genuinely displays instances of sociopathy, you can at the very least register instances of emotion in her, even if it's all very self-serving and she's manipulative with it. It's there. With Jodie, there is no sense of humanity. I think she actively takes pleasure in exerting pain and misery on others. And I I don't even think she's a sociopath. I think she's a psychopath. And the world is genuinely a worse place for having her in it. (laughs) Is that too much?
1: (laughs) Can you run us down some like top Jodie villain moments? Because I'm assuming a lot of people listening won't have watched the...
0: Well, I think to describe her vibe, what I find unnerving is that she presents as such a pantomime villain, because first of all, she's tiny, she's like five foot tall, and she's constantly parading around, like cackling, and she's in tiaras and furs and tutus. She kind of looks like a manga villainess or something, and it's appropriate that she comes to that Alice in Wonderland tea party at the end of season two, dressed as the Queen of Hearts, because she is, and that's also... She looks no different to how she looks normally. She's very over the top. And even the way she speaks, like, everything is just this husky, villainous drawl of like, I loathe Mary Zilber.
1: But it's weird. It's like a husky drawl, but it's also an incredibly, like, nasal, cartoony voice where it's all like...
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's such a cackle. And she, like, has this weird catchphrase of, like, Jewish sex, which doesn't... I don't know what that means.
1: Mean anything.
0: She's not and funny. And everyone at the end
1: is like, what is Jewish sex? And she's like, it's just a say. Yeah. Well, that was
0: good. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're better at doing Jody than me. And she just thinks that everything, <laughs> she's like, it's just." Disgusting and like she's with all, all the fillers. Shame on you, Mary. And her midriff. I mean, who does she think she is? She's disgusting oh, that. slut. And it's just, it's misleading because it's so camp in its presentation, but there's no fun yes. or charm to her. She is just a straight up cold. Did you just say charm? She's a straight up. What did you think I said?
1: Did you say no? I Okay, my ears heard warm or champ. Rather than warmth. Oh my god, or charm. I did
0: say that, didn't I? Oh my god. <laughs> oh Ellie. I might be wrong. What? no, I think you're right.
1: They're not or charm
0: There's no warmth or charm to warmth. her whatsoever. It, I don't know, it's the Jodie effect. No. Like my brain but is already. So, but you're like, so right apart.
1: that like the campy thing, it makes it very easy, exactly like I said, to fall into the trap of just thinking it's all very performative. Where actually it's so intense and so relentless yeah and also like you say like going for like the midriff thing it's also going for things where because she does it all in this whole like mary what are you doing like everything's in this sort of weird campy fur tiara way that it kind of means you don't take in how dark what she's saying is Mm -hmm. and like you say calling her a sort of disgusting slut for having her stomach out (laughs) is so dark
0: it's very um, you're a
1: 50 year old woman Mary
0: yeah it's very predictable what her triggers are she really goes for Christina and then as soon as Christina is like you're a fucking psycho I don't I want nothing to do with you (laughs) then she then eyes the next one down on the totem pole who happens to be Mary and it gets to a point where it's like I don't think she just loathes Mary as one character loathing another character on a show and hamming it up for entertainment value like I think she genuinely despises Mary and it gets to a point where it's like is she gonna kill her I'm conscious of how repetitive it is to just say that she's evil again and again but that is kind of her performance as you said it's just so mm. there's no downtime at all it's just so one note and repetitive look i mean we love to armchair diagnose in the bravo fandom and and overuse these terms like sociopathy or whatever and it is a novelty having someone who i genuinely think is certifiable but it's completely unsustainable and there's no way they could have kept her on this show i mean in a weird way i have to sort of congratulate her where after such a terrible showing in the first season she doesn't do a camille grammar and come back for the second and suddenly clean up no. that act she actually doubles down and is probably worse
1: and they- because they have no reunion at the end of the second series. There's just no, There's just no closure whatsoever. whatsoever. There's
0: no <laughs> chance to just sort of crucify her and just throw rotten tomatoes at her.
1: Because the first reunion, everything she's held accountable for, she's like, it's just my sense of humor.
0: I think that the show does a pretty poor job of trying to disown Jodie anyway, because in both seasons, even though by the end of the season, we inevitably get to the top of the cliff where Ronnie's wised up to how evil Jodie is. She spends the majority of both seasons with the majority of the cast on her side. And it's Mary, who's the one who's been forced into exile. And the show doesn't really clown jodie either i think the closest it gets is catching her on selling fake hermes vintage bags in her store and yeah which apparently like you can't do without a license and she doesn't have a license and she's like caught herself in this weird trap where she either has to admit that she doesn't have a license which is illegal, or she just doesn't know what vintage means. And I'd say both of those things are true. That's like the closest that they get her on in that one reunion.
1: It's also weird that everything that she, it's another similarity to the kind of Camille grammar first season is obviously Camille's whole first season relied and hinged on an argument that took place off camera. Not even an argument, on a conversation that took place off camera. And that weird clip that we was getting of Camille being like, and she was like, what are you doing here without Kelsey? Right. And it's like a weird cut. Yeah. And it always feels like they like cut out the middle of the sentence. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, we don't even have one clean take of what was said. Right? It's like a sort of weird AI. Uh, what are they called? Those things where they like edit together what people have said to make a sentence. And I feel like there's a similar thing that everything Mary is attacked on in the first series is stuff that we don't actually have footage of her claiming. What's weird is that we don't have lots of footage of Mary going around purporting that Jodie sells secondhand stuff. We don't have lots of footage of Mary going around saying they're not Jewish, as a family. Oh, yeah. But everything, they're, like, obsessed with this thing of being like, that's disgusting, <laughs> that Mary would say. It. And being like, wait, she said we're not Jewish? And stuff like that. And A, the really funny thing at the reunion, where I'm not saying Jodie's not Jewish, but where she has to admit that she she's not Jewish, that she... Oh, what's it called? ah oh, what's it called when you're not born a religion, but you
0: converted to judaism
1: yeah yeah that she's a converted jew which is like but it's it's funny that it all hinges on something where it's not even been like a big rumor that mary's been repeating on the show.
0: I also think it's it's interesting to note as well. Usually with the housewives villains, you inevitably come to a storyline or you uncover a bit of backstory where it reveals something about their past and they have some kind of trauma and you're like, "Oh, I get it now. They were like abandoned Ramona. by their yeah, mom yeah. or they're lashing yeah. out cuz they need attention, good or bad." But with Jodie, it's just like, "Nope. She just likes terrorizing people just for the fun of it."
1: I mean, like highlights include things like organizing a dinner on the night of Mary's birthday. It's
0: so horrible. And then
1: forcing everyone to come. And the worst bit being... And they
0: all come. That
1: scene where Yulia turns up at the door and you're like, yeah, like Yulia took Mary's side and didn't fall for this weird, like, no, you have to be there. And then Yulia's like, okay, so I'm not going to be coming to your party, actually. That's so fucked That was a terrible <laughs> Russian accent. Come on, you can do better than that, Ellie. I just want... Oh, what's Russian? I just wanted to give you these flowers because I'm not going to be coming. Oh, it's terrible. No.
0: What does she say? I'm trying to think of a line that shit. All I can think of is when they're having that massive fight at the end of the season and at the tea party and she's like, this is some bomb ass cake. <laughs> <laughs> she's just eating in the middle of it. She's very, like, lip-rounded and forward, just...
1: Yeah, she Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, organising the thing to steal everyone away from Mary's party is a low point. Her physically ripping off a cuff that Amanda's wearing that belongs to Mary oh God, and then yeah. throwing it into the ocean pretty bad uh i did write down her monologue to mary at the very end if you wanted to hear it just i won't do it with an impression or anything because i think it i can't well i can't physically sustain the venom and i also as you were saying i think it distracts from the actual content of what she's saying but needless to say it's yelled and there's like spittle flying out of her mouth for the whole time
1: is this another one for my rep folder i think so (laughs) okay
0: Actually, no, I don't think it would be a good monologue because there's not really much of a story. No, there's not like a beginning, middle, end. It's just like a sustained, I can't imagine you doing it at like 10 o'clock in the morning being like, you are a piece of shit. <laughs> but it goes, you are a piece of shit in my eyes. Look at you. You're a piece of shit, Mary. You don't have fillers in your face. You look like a Martian. You're a piece of shit, Zilba. I'm glad that you have, like, they've a redacted name in your life and another redacted name in your life who fuck you once a week, Mary. You're a hooker, Mary. Mary, you're a hooker. You're a loser. Ronnie fucking hates Mary, but she's got something on her so she's nice to her. What a horrible relationship. You're a moron. You look like a cheesy piece of shit. You live in a rented apartment. You don't have a car. You're an embarrassment. We are women. These women support each other. You're disgusting. I I loathe you. You're a piece of shit. You're a moron. You're pathetic. Look at you. I can't even look at you. You're such a mess. You're a piece of shit. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) I mean.
1: And see. (laughs) <laughs> and the whole time Mary's just like stood dressed as a bunny rabbit isn't
0: it like a sexy like um, Hugh Hefner playboy bunny rabbit yeah, yeah. Bridget Jones style right yeah player. very Bridget Jones style and it is what's impressive about that monologue is that it carries the whole gambit of every housewife's cliched insult of like you rent you don't have a car you've got a mortgage out you on get your house.
1: fucked by guys yeah. and <laughs> the then of course you a that
0: classic bit of hypocrisy at the end of like we're women we should be supporting each other and then immediately Following it up with like you're a disgusting hooker piece of shit.
1: <laughs> with fillers in your with face. With
0: fillers in your face. It's just like we as women support each other is the rallying cry of every misogynist real housewives. It just feels like yes. that's like Vicky Gumbleson's existence distilled into one yes. speech yeah, yeah. like to Bronwyn <laughs> or someone.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, sidebar. Yeah. Uh, I was saying to James that I'm really gutted that Bronwyn's gone. Not because I necessarily like loved Bronwyn, but I just was finding her very good TV. And I can't believe that Gina and Emily just continue to exist. I don't want to live in this world if Bronwyn's not there and Gina And and
0: Emily are. You
1: know, the one that I can't stand is when Emily was trying to be like, we're the new Tres Amigas with Gina and Shannon. And then was trying to like... Smack Shannon's butt and I was like don't try and be fun know who you are you're boring Emily with the boring husband yeah (laughs) with the boring like you can't suddenly turn yourself into a Vicky Gumbelson Mm -hmm. you can't turn yourself and I feel like she's trying so hard to be like I I can be the crazy fun one who gets into fights and it's like no you can't
0: (sighs) There's a couple of things. Where's
1: Kelly gone? I've only just realized. Yeah, they
0: got rid of her and all.
1: Oh my God. I, I'm like four episodes into that season and I didn't notice that Kelly was gone.
0: With the exception. Kelly,
1: I just couldn't, I couldn't hear Kelly say one more thing about like, cause Rick and I like to fuck.
0: I mean, I think when it ended at that reunion with her being like, I'm black, it's like, oh, you can't really come back from that, <laughs> Kelly.
1: Yeah, that was bad.
0: I mean, uh, maybe yeah. there's a- re- But yeah.
1: Bronwyn, I was like, I wanted Bronwyn and Shari's story. Like I wanted, I wanted more. I don't it's a
0: legendary one season performance it comes very close to rivaling something that danielle would put out like who in one season during a flop pandemic season no less would give us a storyline yes. where they come out as an alcoholic come out as gay come out as yes. beating their husband yes. in what world would you get rid of her i don't understand i mean maybe i'm not a producer for a reason and maybe there's some thought to it but it's not hard just keep the people who are good tv and get rid of the flops like gina okay. and emily for a start gina and emily should be the other way around gina looks like an emily and emily looks like a gina and to this day five years in i get their names mixed up second of all <laughs> i really hate that the show has positioned because emily i find there's something funny in her floppery she does kind of come close to like a kathy wakili vibe where she's like yeah, hi she
1: also, she's like Eeyore, but she also has this weird thing where whenever you see her on a FaceTime or something where it's like first thing in the morning, one of her eyes is like half shut. <laughs> she's, it's like the woman has, this isn't, I don't mean this as to be like a Jodie, like your face is full of filler thing, but her face is full of such filler that It's like one of her eyes.
0: It hasn't settled yet for the day.
1: It's like, it must take so much effort for both eyes to be open under how like big the false lashes and stuff are yeah. But, like one of them it's like one of them's a bit droopy it's got to catch
0: up yeah <laughs> oh, I've got a ball patch uh. in my head oh, I'm stressed man <laughs> but like the fact that Gina the show occasionally there'll be something wacky happening and then it'll cut to Gina giving a talking head about it as if she's the comedic narrator and I'm like no this should be Shannon right now giving us a funny little tidbit about what's yeah. going on Gina is the worst kind of housewife to be she's not funny she's not not that I care about this kind of thing but okay. like she doesn't give anything aspirational she's like a cracked iphone 4 screen of a person in every way I, just, I really loathe gina
1: the other thing that i just i could not deal with that i had to write to james immediately was terry debro's face and i just can't i'm so upset every time he comes on screen he used to just look like a normal man and now he's got Like fake cheeks.
0: Yeah, he's gotten really into um, Chippendale territory, not a Chippendale strip. His face is like oblong. Yeah.
1: His face should be oval, and instead it goes like out at the sides. And I just am like, how does Heather? I just can't bear it. And I'm like, A, that must be just the worst advert as a plastic surgeon when you look terrible. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how that can work. By the way, Dr. Jen is the most boring person to a gross planet. Oh
0: my god, what is going on? Um, like, how you could get I rid know. of Bronwyn and but, then yeah. replace him with Dr. Jen? I don't know. Sorry, anyway.
1: But Terry's face, I just can't... I'm really upset about it.
0: Do we have anything else to say about Jodie?
1: No, let's talk about Ronnie, by proxy. So Ronnie... If Jodie's, like, the most evil housewife, then Ronnie's the most discombobulating...
0: She's unnerving. It's very
1: Ronnie pause from it she's unnerving she's like something like deeply unsettling about her
0: i'm not usually a very woo-woo person who picks up on vibes and energy and stuff like that but ronnie nagus has such a dark dark oppressive energy to her where i honestly she feels like the personification of some sort of hellish primordial spirit that's come back to life like every time she appears on screen i have a visceral reaction of dread where the hairs on the back of my neck stand on end and my soul leaves my body and i i actually do think that ronnie is a lot scarier than jody because at least with jody yes you know what to expect especially if you're mary zilber it's very easy to crack the code of what triggers her it's just women of a certain age daring to show their midriff or something whereas there's something very manic and unpredictable as you say about ronnie which means you can never quite relax there's this sense that one minute you're going to be laughing and joking together and having a great time and then the next minute she's going to like pull a knife out on you and threaten to slit your throat and then she's going to pass out
1: wields the most incredible power in both seasons everyone just shuts up when she's speaking she takes the longest time to say anything she's afforded these pauses that are just unnaturally long she speaks so (laughs) quietly and so down her face and down her nose with her chin up and it's like a remarkable power play constantly.
0: It's almost the, like she's a mafia boss.
1: Yeah, exactly. And also, it's like she seems to have the strongest sense of self of anyone I've ever met. She's just so resolute in who she is and her status and her. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's very. It's yeah,
0: Ronnie is what happens if you give Kim Richards money and power and status within the group. Because, like, remember what a nightmare Kim was during game night, where for some reason everyone was a bit scared of Kim and, like, enabling her and protecting her.
1: Yes. yeah.
0: Imagine her in that activated state for two seasons straight. Ronnie would absolutely hide Mary's crutches. Ronnie would break Mary's legs and then hide her crutches afterwards. Like, she's an absolute (laughs) terror. And you're right. It's the way, this languid way where she's always sitting back, Where she tells, I can't even remember why she tells this story, but for some reason she explains the plot to the movie Gladiator. And she's like...
1: Oh my God, yeah. She's also just obsessed with generally making comparisons of being like... Do you know the story of the two wolves? <laughs> of the, mean? She's just like obsessed with bringing up like old folklore.
0: She, yeah, she's, there's something very folkloric very drawn out about it. it. Yeah. like my
1: dad or right. something. just being like and she holding leaves, court.
0: She leaves these pauses and it's like eons go by and like flowers grow and wilt and die in that time. And it's just, oh my God. You just feel the earth die in those long stretches of silence. And yeah, so there's this, a moment where This is what I was thinking about before when you were doing your impression of her, where in the second season, Ronnie is having a pretty mild housewives argument with Amanda. And Amanda says something quite tame and standard for housewives. And Ronnie just out of nowhere is like, you better shut the fuck up right now, you little bitch. Or I'll come to your house at night and strangle your kids. Or something equally unnerving like that. And Amanda basically has a panic attack in response to it. And it's what's so scary is that it's not even an outsized response in an Erica Jane kind of way, where suddenly she's very activated and has this forward energy of like, no. you better shut the fuck up. It's like she's still slumped back in her chair slurring these Mm -hmm. threats with the same pilled out energy and no one stops her
1: it's so weird that not only does no one stop her but everyone just goes with whatever she goes on this arc through the two seasons of being not just mary's friend but mary's oldest best friend of 20 years where it's like a marriage to within like one episode of the first season being against mary for saying that she got her drunk or enabled her drinking or something yeah to this Endless rollercoaster up and down. And what's strange is the way that everyone in the second season in particular has her back as if she's discovering she's in a toxic relationship. And everyone's like, yes, you finally get it. Like you're being used by this person to like the most... Mary's this incredibly boring, saccharine non-event of a person. And everyone's acting like she's a psychopath. She's
0: like evil incarnate. Yeah, it's so strange.
1: Everyone's acting as if Ronnie has like no power in that relationship. It's so bizarre.
0: It's odd yeah the ratio of Ronnie's reliability or unreliability as a narrator to the power of her word is so off where Ronnie I do not trust any recollection that she has or her side of any story but it is almost like whatever Mm. her word is on the great Mary Jodie war of 2012 is gospel to the point where Ronnie Mm -hmm. becomes a sort of coveted territory in the war between the two women and wherever Ronnie's allegiance is is sort of the proxy for whoever's winning the war. And it that always seems to change on a day-to-day basis, seemingly for no rhyme or reason, which just adds a whole mm-hmm. other level of chaos to the whole thing. And for the entirety of basically both seasons, I think, it feels like this sisyphean effort to get Ronnie to open her eyes to see just how awful Jody truly is and to cut her off for good. And we finally get there at the end of the season one finale, in which Ronnie, as you say, deals with it in the best, most dramatic Almost biblical way possible, where she hires this ballroom to host a luncheon for the ladies, in which she announces very dramatically, like one of the women at this table (laughs) will wish they never met me. It's very Jesus at the Last Supper. It's great, and you're like, hurrah! She's finally exiled Jody, and then we go into the reunion, and it's like, oh my god, we're back to square one again.
1: We have to talk about at the reunion when Ronnie tells this. Now, there's my Rhett her story about her daughter. Incredible. Nearly dying.
0: Incredible.
1: And the whole thing is sort of very moving, but also it's about choking on a piece of steak. Where there's something unexpected about it. Because I think because her daughter has had medical needs, I think you assume when the story begins that it's going to be that like something happened with a pre-existing condition. Right. I don't think you expect the choking on a bit of steak story. Mm-hmm. And also, it's just that Ronnie thing that it's like, look, don't get me wrong. If someone was to tell the story and be like, yeah, it was terrifying. My child nearly choked to death. She stopped breathing for however long. And I honestly thought she was going to die. But of course, because it's Ronnie, it's like a 20 minute story with the most hyperbole of any story ever. Like, you honestly get to the end and it's like you've watched Gladiator.
0: Yeah, Like, (laughs)
1: it's like, it's so... Only to be followed by Jodie, also bursting into tears, telling the story of how her daughter had some complications with a nose job. (laughs) And you just can't believe it. (laughs) Such a
0: cherry on the cake.
1: Mia had a nose job. (laughs) That was terrible. No,
0: yours is good.
1: Mia Mia had a nose job. (laughs) I don't know what was happening
0: she does have like a squeakiness to her voice you're right that i can't quite replicate and she's like wiping away fake tears and everything i just love that everything about this monologue it's like it's been engineered in a lab specifically for me it's housewives at its greatest it's this lofty literary tall tale narrated by this beautiful, broken, tragic heroine, to the point where every time there's any other housewife on any other reunion recounting some familial trauma, I'm like, I wish Ronnie were recounting Ronnie. this. She'd do it so much better. It really reminds me of a time actually at drama school, and it was a ver- the very first class we had in our acting class, where it was meant to be like a get-to-know-you session, where two of us would have to take it in turns sitting in the center of the room and one of us would tell a funny story and then the other one would have to like remember all the details and then recount the story and then we take it in turns
1: hate them yeah
0: i was paired up with this guy and he told the most traumatizing (laughs) bit of like familial trauma that ever happened (laughs) And I just, just before told a story about me like pooing my pants or I don't know, something funny. And then it was just like, it completely sucked the energy out of the room. And then suddenly having to sit there, you know, with like residual laughter and go like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and then at the God. very end, and he told it at that pace where he left these painfully long silences <laughs> between sub clauses. And then at the very end, that first of all, that thing being like, is it over? And then like, okay, cool. Okay. So this is Simon, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it felt to me
1: you know that i would get the giggles i've got i have you, such you're a weird thing. when someone said su- when someone suddenly goes very serious i just get the uncontrollable like when my friend freddie really abruptly told me that his grandma died that week and i just got the worst fit of the giggles
0: <laughs> yeah you're bad you're bad Cam. Cam. <laughs> Um, Did you hide okay. her crutches? Pam! <laughs> uh, there's so many details as well to this monologue that I found rewatching that I forgot about because I just remembered it as a pretty straightforward story of her daughter chokes and almost dies on a piece of steak. But then there's so many other elements that do make it like something from a soap opera. So her daughter chokes on a piece of steak, both of her lungs collapse. I forgot about that. Ronnie passes out from the shock of it. I always forget that detail yeah. as well. And then she wakes up to her husband, I think, resuscitating her. And then her housekeeper, who she introduces as my beautiful friend and my housekeeper. (laughs) She gives her daughter CPR and then she has a heart attack and maybe dies. Like They don't follow up on that point and it sounds terrible and it's also harrowing and awful but it's and it's told at this achingly slow pace But there's something kind of comedic about it as well, where it's almost like this domino effect where everyone starts collapsing in various forms in some way that does transcend it into very dark comedy. It's
1: the opposite of Erica's, like, and then Tom's house got broken into, and then my son's son's house. It's been a whole thing. It's the opposite. It's, like, the most painstakingly detailed account of this, like you say, this sort of domino effect of things happening. And the whole time, this, like, one flood of tears on one side of Ronnie's face means her mascara is running. Yeah. So she's left looking like this sort of pudgy bear, like panda. Yes. This sort of trauma. It's like, it's like a makeup artist has done I just it. can't believe. And also I love the bit before that when she says she's having a panic attack where Ronnie literally looks like this- she gets mildly uncomfortable because she's asked like a question by someone that puts her on the spot. And she literally is like, can we, I'm, I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> 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 no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> because in the trailer of the reunion they put her saying that after her like crying about the story right. I joined, i'm like then it the would be the okay. usual way it would make sense yeah <laughs> but it's like literally <laughs> just like i feel like when ronnie experiences any discomfort whatsoever in life she's like i'm having a panic attack mm-hmm. and i don't have to be in this situation this is what's interesting <laughs> so about
0: ronnie as well is she's an alcoholic she's a substance abuser she's an addict um, all of those things are very clear but unlike someone like Kim Richards who suffered through it on TV in the grimiest way possible the, like who can forget those scenes of her with Ken with his toenails in stuck in his car. eye she's like rifling through trash or she's in that like <laughs> disgusting hotel room. I'm not laughing
1: at Kim. I'm (laughs) laughing at Ken, just to be clear. Always at
0: Ken. But there's something about Ronnie that's still kind of glamorous. She has this amazing house that's like right on the water in this beautiful mountainous setting. There's this sickening veneer of respectability to Ronnie and her illness that makes it even more unnerving in a way which then facilitates her to make these terrible decisions like starting a wine label and calling it rehab she also is
1: so disparaging of alcoholism yeah basically implying that it's like weak Mm -hmm. in a way that it's just like the worst branding mm-hmm. of this. It's like there's an opportunity for it to be like a positive platform. And instead, it's made a minor irritation that's not handled at all. And then she gets completely trashed on her birthday. And this inc- this is about as dark as I thought it got. This storyline of her being like, oh, what's her name? The text Robin.
0: <laughs> being
1: like, Robin drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine when I got on the boat. I love it. And I don't remember getting off the boat.
0: She's taking no responsibility for it whatsoever.
1: Oh my God, and Robin.
0: I love Robin. She picked the best target for it because she's actually the only housewife who wasn't terrified of Ronnie and actually put her in her place because Robin is such a loudmouth buffoon. Said with love, actually serves her really well on the show. Where she has this-
1: I like Robin.
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, me too. I love Robin. I I love this kind of unshakable confidence that she has, which lands her on the right side of delusional where we get these really endearing, almost like Arrested Development-esque vignettes where she's like i'm gonna sing the national anthem at this horse rodeo and i've signed mary I'm, up for it
1: i am obsessed with the bit where she thinks the producer <laughs> i like botched it yeah <laughs> cd she's like and that's she's not like, me do you hear that where she's like that jump up that's it sounds terrible yeah. and she's has she's saying he put the low note <laughs> next to the high note and it's like i don't think that he was like I feel like literally that's the tune where it's like in the land of and she's like you hear that? It's like I I don't think she Sabotage
0: <laughs> She's a really good force as well because she's so self-assured assured, that it serves her- assured. She, I know, why'd I go so posh then?
1: She's very,
0: very <laughs> self-assured. She's
1: so self-assured. So, so, so. In
0: the dynamic, because what's so compelling about Vancouver is that there is this core trio of doom that kind of provide the thrust through both seasons and then everyone else mm-hmm. sort of cowers around that. And then you have Robin who just sort of like steamrollers her way through and she kind of treats her enemies and her allies alike so she was more than happy defending Mary usually by herself against the cast majority but she was also very firmly Mm -hmm. but fairly pointing out instances to Mary where she would fucked up a bit and she sort of needed to hold her to account and in the same way she really Mm -hmm. didn't cower from Ronnie and Jodie which meant we got these great scenes where when Ronnie falls (laughs) off the wagon after white knuckling her way through sobriety for half a season and accuses Robin of drugging her Robin is like no bitch you damn well fell off the wagon to an alcoholic baby the vodka don't matter and it's like that's the person we need to stand up to a bully like running
1: i like the bit when she's saying to amanda she doesn't look like an alcoholic <laughs> she's like she's not a, she's not in the garbage she's not dirty that's, <laughs> she's not yeah like oh can't God. argue with that i guess yeah um wow i think i have about to take texan accent off my cv
0: <laughs> me too <laughs>
1: So then who else? You've got Yulia and Amanda. Amanda to me is so dull that she's just bitchy and wispy and just quite irritating.
0: I think Amanda and Reiko are probably the only two duds in what is otherwise very strong casting for the show. Like even if people don't provide a strong dramatic thrust, they're still entertaining in their own quirky way like Yulia. But Amanda has just so clearly been cast to bolster Jodie's... I quite liked
1: Reiko. Are you fucking kidding me? Thinking...
0: Oh, you like cars, do you? Should we go and see no. some other cars <laughs> driving around in her cars?
1: I did a little Bollywood dance. Raygo fucking I She was accused of randomly like cheating on her husband out of nowhere. No, she, I mean she was dull, but I found Amanda annoying. I didn't find Rago annoying.
0: Yeah, no, Amanda's annoying. Amanda was just kind of in a constant state of like Amanda I've been cast to be who
1: literally I thought was her son that first when I saw the clip introducing him before the scene yeah. and she's like bought him clothes and he's trying them on I thought it was her son
0: he's quite hot isn't he isn't he
1: he looks like 14 got, okay no
0: I take that back <laughs> <laughs> no, better no, take no. it back <laughs> um <laughs> I do like Amanda taking a sip of a regular alcoholic mojito and then having like a DEF CON meltdown about how she's like fallen off the wagon. It's not okay! And everyone's rallying around her. And then Yulia, of course, of all people, is like anxiously like eyeing her watch in the exit and being like, this bitch is fucking crazy. Well, not
1: just that, she's having a sip and being like, it's not that strong." Yeah, it's fine.
0: (laughs) Give it to me. Uh, oh god
1: yeah <laughs> that was like anyway a-
0: um shall we talk about mary yes well obviously i'm team mary there's no way you can't be however I, You're my hero yeah. i think it features in every episode of it both seasons you're my I love hero. the bit when they're,
1: <laughs> when they filmed the music video double time. Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and then when they play it, it's like, I'm like, oh, so like clever.
0: I know. It's like behind the scenes. It's great. Yeah, I'm the
1: hero.
0: I do think, though, that the relentless, this is maybe a hot take, that the relentless bullying of Mary does sort of romanticise her a bit and paints her as more of a, Hero than she really is.
1: It, I agree, and I I don't agree with Jody. But there's a bit in the reunion where she's saying you're always the victim, which means everyone else has to take the position of like, the bully. And it's like, well, Jody actually is a bully, right? But it's true that Mary is quite heavy-handed with, like, the scene when she meets up with Amanda and gives her a load of birthday presents. And it's like it's absolutely fine if you can't be friends with me because you're friends with Jody. And it's like it's a bit. It, it's all like quite saccharine.
0: It's to the point of being a bit passive aggressive. I think she has that kind of Carl Richards affectation where I think she's so desperate to be liked. I
1: think it's affected. Yeah, definitely, I think
0: yeah. she wants to be seen as a good person in capital letters.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I do think she slightly gets off on being the victim to the point where there's something a bit gluttonous about her. Continuing. I agree.
1: Can we talk about the scene where she gets the phone call where she's like, "What?"
0: <laughs> this <laughs> is one of my favorite been run stories over. ever.
1: I have to go. I never
0: talk about housewives to my parents, but this is one story I did have to detail (laughs) to them from A to B. It's so funny. So, the context of it is that all the housewives get together to essentially confront Mary for being a habitual liar, because that's one of her several personality flaws. We get these instances where apparently, on and off camera, she's a bit of a fibber or she manipulates the truth a bit and mary quite rightly doesn't want to sit there and take it anymore and rather than just getting up and walking out and saying i'm leaving you (laughs) bitches she decides to fake a phone call from a friend where as ellie was saying she's like hi what oh my god oh my god he's been hit he's in the hospital oh my god oh my god i'm coming right away and then she's like, "Guys, I'm so sorry, but I was just talking to Debbie, and her son has just been hit by a car, and he's in the hospital, and he's in a coma, <laughs> and I have to go and see him right now." She's completely forgotten because she's an idiot that Yulia also happens to be friends with Debbie, and so immediately phones up Debbie and is like, and
1: "It's like oh, I'm gonna phone her and <laughs> check she's okay."
0: <laughs> and then now is it does he get hit by a car has she made up the whole thing or she's just embellished no
1: it? it's that she says she misheard and her friend said his foot so swollen it's like it's been hit by a bus It's not. she's like <laughs> you're so got hit by a bus <laughs> but what's great about it is that she could almost get away with being like i misheard i misheard but she then is like i have to go because <laughs>
0: She then makes my kids another are at line. home.
1: She makes up another thing.
0: She's like, there's a party. Like, I
1: have to go, I have to go now. Like the and, police like, have been called.
0: To go They're gonna break up this party.
1: And then she just ends up like hanging around the restaurant.
0: Rather than leaving the restaurant, she stays in full and view of the other outside. women with some gays having a glass and then of it's wine. Like,
1: oh, I got something wrong. It's like like you say, she should have just been like, Fuck you guys, I'm gonna go and sit. And
0: it's so fucking have a drink funny. With my
1: friends. That is very funny.
0: I do respect her for standing her ground and not running away like Lisa Vanderpump or someone, but I just wish that she would fight back. You almost feel Jody going, what is wrong with you? Just hit me back. And it feels like two seasons of Alexis at that Cut Fitness dinner fight where she's trying to make a gracious, dignified exit while Tamra's screaming at her.
1: You know what? But like she does sometimes. I think it's easy to forget, like in the first season, the scene where she kicks them all out the house and into the lift. And they're... The one thing I have to give Mary credit for is that when she did fight back, it was so blown out of proportion, like she was psychotic, yeah. that I feel like that hasn't necessarily given her an indicator that that helps her. Mm-hmm. And she's got far more praise and won over like viewership by taking it and everyone being like, it's so unfair because Mary doesn't do anything wrong than fighting back. Yeah. I think if it had gone on for more seasons, I agree. If there'd now been another season, you'd be like, she has to come up to that level. Otherwise, it's just... It doesn't work. Yeah, as TV. And to be fair, she does kind of try and give it back to Jodie at the Alice in Wonderland, saying she just gets steamrolled.
0: No, doesn't she? Isn't she just like you're pathetic? And it's like Mary, if I had a pound for every time we get a talking head of you going, it's pathetic. I'd be, I'd be a rich man. Okay. Where do you stand with her friendship with Ronnie?
1: I, I think it's weird. I think it's like I, I kind of believe that they've had a friendship for a very long time, and I, I believe you look at Ronnie's life and her home and like her on a good day and probably like you could think you had quite a nice friendship with that person mm-hmm. and get by on it it's so toxic and the whole thing of like you say how unsettling it is the way she can turn the, th- the thing I found most disturbing of both seasons was the thing of Ronnie turning up drunk to her work and then writing to her basically saying like you like gave me alcohol god I found that like super dark mm-hmm. Um I do kind of believe there's a friendship there. And weirdly was almost like rooting for it.
0: Yeah, me too. Which I don't I, I don't know why. Normally I have no issue being like, you're bad for each other. I think you're better off just cutting it off.
1: Well, especially considering that like from the start, they're introduced as friends, and then Ronnie's already like pretty horrible about Mary. It's classic
0: quickly. Ronnie, reckless Ronnie to choose a national television programme as the platform to completely nuke a friendship of twenty Decimate, years. Decimate a friendship.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine if you and I did that? Ended up on a reality show together and just within the first episode it was me saying to other people being like, it's a bit pathetic. He kind of (sighs) needs to stand his own to it. I'm kind of bored of James coming to me with his problems. Like, I'm not your babysitter.
0: I'd be mortified, obviously, but I think... (laughs) I think in a way I would take it. I think why I root for the friendship is that if it disintegrates, I want it to be organically or it's been exacerbated by the show. I don't want it to be because a psychopath has come between the two of us and is trying to steal you away from me. It just feels so, Yeah. maybe she's just engineering a quicker ending to the friendship, but it just doesn't feel fair. Yeah. It's moments like that why I wish Jodie would pump the brakes a bit because it then doesn't allow us to look at instances where Mary is a bit Probably, I can see how she's frustrating to deal with as a friend. And I think, you know, it must be very hard having a friend like Ronnie, who's this reckless alcoholic. But also, I think there is something very virtue signaling about Mary and something... Mm. Weren't they saying that... Did, did they fall out between seasons because Mary didn't go to the hospital after Remy had her accident or something? What... Mm. Was that why? I don't know. Th- maybe I'm misremembering. But I feel like she didn't really step up in a way that a friend should. But then... <laughs> in the second season she pulls a very jenna moroni moment and like whips a microphone out of her purse and goes up to remy and sings an a cappella version of hero (laughs) it's so funny Um, i can't remember if ronnie liked that or not i feel like it could go either way she did okay good she
1: loved it she loved it so do we have anything to say about christina oh
0: i love christina oh
1: i love
0: christina she really um adds a lot of uh a lot of spice to her one season.
1: Yeah, she was great.
0: She's a true one season wonder. There's nothing flop about her whatsoever. And I think part of her greatness is that she just lasted for one season.
1: Also, she just like looked like she was going to be the lead of the season and then was actually quite a side player. I just find it really funny that her and Yulia were like the middle of the group mm-hmm. on their seasons. <laughs> and they're like really like non-
0: well, I think, I don't know, maybe you disagree, but that feels almost like... I think
1: Christina, I think they thought Christina was going to be...
0: Yeah, she had the centre maple leaf.
1: That's what I mean, yeah. is that she was like centre of the women. Her introduction was very much around like her bringing a supporting character on in... Is called Kevin?
0: Her yeah. Friend? yeah.
1: And then who I actually really liked. And yeah. uh, I thought I was going to find it really annoying. And then I was like, he's actually like very fair and quite down to earth and I thought he was going to be a really annoying guest man and actually...
0: No, I I see that. He was also like a weird off-brand Andy Cohen as well.
1: He was, but I also... I thought it was going to be a really fake friendship. The way it was introduced being like, me and my friend Kevin just like to drink Prosecco and go shopping and it's like cheers babe yeah. and all of that stuff but actually they seem to have a really lovely friendship. Well, that's kind of
0: Christina as well I think she introduces herself as someone like she's like a self-described gold digger and she loves not working and men is her job and she just like shopping and drinking and she really I think intentionally downplays herself as this kind of frivolous character which obviously makes her bait for yeah. Jody. but she emerges as the character I think with the most integrity and the most don't heart really? and the smartest character, she's fab.
1: Which is funny because at first, all of the things of her not turning up for stuff, is it's a really bad look.
0: It feels like a very existential Housewives episode where even the producers don't seem to know <laughs> where, where she, she is. is which is why I it's kind of really love weird. her that she rocks up to the show and was like this will be fun immediately met Jody and was like nope I'm tapping out of this I <laughs> do not want to be here anymore but she's god damn it she signed a contract and she'll finish out that contract but as soon as this season is yeah. over I am out of here in a puff of smoke and she kind of seems to I don't know if she was fired or, or or left of her own accord but it shows the power of dealing with a bully like Jody. when you get to a place of like I don't give a shit anymore call me a slut yeah take photos of me with my knickers on show I'm gonna print off a t-shirt saying I'm a gold digging slut and I'm gonna wear it around in front of you you have no power over me I hate your ugly slippers so good it was a real case study on how to deal with Jodie, which makes Mary kind of frustrating as a result. Because it's like, you've seen one person vanquish the villain quite handily in the space of a few episodes. So you should be able to do the same. And I have to give props to Christina's bit of revenge against Jodie, which is one of the best instances of revenge i've ever seen on any tv show where she wins over jody and then she buddies up to her adult daughter mia takes her out for drinks and then implies or maybe does it for real that she fucked mia and then basically spreads that bit of gossip around the whole of vancouver until it gets back to jody and jody's seething for the rest of the season but Christina's perfectly, impeccably polite to Jody every time she sees her. And I'm sorry, yeah. but fucking your mortal nemesis's adult child and then acting immaculate to their face after the fact is A-plus housewifery. It's very, very, very creative. I love it. It's moments like that where I'm like, I wish more people knew about Vancouver. So good.
1: It's also, I definitely found it sad when I started the second season. And I was sad to lose. You do get attached to... Housewives, and even though I think it's great that she only did the one season, I've had the same with the OC, with Heather coming back and such a big change of awards. I don't love change, and I was a bit like, no. oh, I was used to these women, and now I have new women, and I'm not warming to them. You
0: don't like same Noella? Way. No, see through no- Noella's good.
1: No, I do like Noella. It's the other two I find boring.
0: Well, they're not long for this world. I'm Spoiler just, alert. I'm
1: obsessed with Noella having a breakdown in a restaurant, and that girl on the cold just being like, um, I'm really uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm like, you're shit at Come this.
0: On. I can't even remember your name, but your shit. So bad. Was it is it so bad. Have you gone to the scene yet where they go to her house and Noella's been crying and she's like, I've lost my voice because I've been crying. Yes, so much. I just watched it.
1: And it's like air And she to has heart.
0: like she has tears on her breast. <laughs> it's, so
1: it's it's amazing. The whole scene I love is whispered. Also, one of my students put up that Amsterdam dinner um the ASMR. On Instagram the other day, and I was just writing to him. No, oh, no, just the normal right. one, but I was writing to like, She dust ventricle. She does <laughs>
0: She does a thousand percent. Oh, right. What are we going to talk about next week? I kind of want to talk about OC again. Should we talk about OC? Do you want to talk about Vicky? Because it feels like we still have some untapped stuff there. Yeah, let's do that. Now that you've seen her all the way through.
1: Yeah, I'd like to do that. Great. Yeah, yeah. That was easy. Yes, I think. (laughs) Take us out.
0: (laughs) Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Housewives Archives. Make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, we would really appreciate a rating and a review and follow us on Instagram at Housewives Archives. And spread the word to your friends as well. That's very important to us. Thank you for joining, and we'll see you next time. Bye. I didn't say we're <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited.